we had discussed, and even afterwards, I uh, had a conversation with the guys afterwards and discussed that a lot of young people, teenagers especially, I think are more influenced by the emotional connection, seeing there is an emotional care and compassion, than even some of the basic acts of love found in 1 Corinthians 13. Right, and I would, I would say that love, true love, has uh, its basis in truth. Whereas compassion doesn't always have to. No, it does not. That is true. And because compassion doesn't always have to have truth as a motivation, it sometimes is misguided. And you could be compassionate and compassionate for the wrong reason. And we had a guy in our group that said, listen, I don't know if compassion works because the only thing I've seen work is just telling somebody the truth and getting them away from the addiction or getting them away from the bad situation that they're in. And that's the only thing that works. And I said, well, that's, that's because... Truth is a big part of love, whereas compassion, it can be, by the way, you can have compassion with love um, and motivated by love, which is motivated by truth. But without truth, sometimes compassion can be misguided. Yeah, I'm not denying that truth. What I had said last week was that the human condition desires the emotional so much that if you're missing that, your opportunity to influence decreases drastically. Right or wrong, that I think happens. Right. Well, the human condition puts emotions above truth. Yes. I'm all not the saying t- it's good. All I'm the time. It is. It and is. because of that, they'll gravitate to somebody who makes them feel good. Yes, that's correct. And compassion makes them feel good, right? But I think we ended, I don't know if I said it at the end or afterwards, but the statement is you don't have to choose between both. It doesn't have to right. be love or compassion. Correct. The Christian has the option to take both, to choose both, and we should do both. Right, and I think what's interesting is in that great story that Jesus put forth about compassion, it was a Samaritan man who had no reason to give compassion, but because of his love for general humanity, he had compassion. Okay, I've got Pastor John with me, the assistant pastor here at Meriden Hills, and over here to my left is Pastor Ethan, our youth pastor. Let's go ahead and talk about the sacrificial and truthful testimony, which leads to influence. I'd like to begin, I see, John, you've got your Bible open. I'll give you a chance here in a second to give the verses or text you're thinking of. But I'd like to start in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech, or that word beseech, implore, almost begging. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present to your bodies a living sacrifice. Why? Well, let's first talk about what, what it looks like. A living sacrifice is holy and acceptable unto God. Now, why should you do this? <laughs> well, at the end of verse 1, it says, it's your reasonable service. Right. Okay, well, that's a good reason. Uh, it's what we should be doing. Our, as Christians, do we really need more reason than it's what we're called to do? No, we don't need it, but it's nice to have, right? It it's is. nice to flesh out that purpose. It's nice to include other things in your motivation than just, I'm told so. Mm-hmm. And aren't you glad that God gave us verse 2? He didn't just end this thought with verse 1. Verse 2 fleshes out the why. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Still paired with this idea of a sacrifice. This kind of tells you the how. Right. How do we sacrifice? And we do so by transforming our minds that you may prove that is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Who are we proving this to? I, I don't think we're proving it to God. No, no. I, I think God knows what is going on. I think the, the, the text is dealing with more so uh, how the other people are seeing us. Right In verse 3, I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think himself more highly than not to think, but to think soberly, as God hath dealt with every man the measure of faith. 
For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, then goes on to talk about the various gifts. Right. And in that context, those gifts and the membership is for the purpose of the members mm-hmm. and the community that you're trying to reach. I think that the sacrifice in verse 1 is for the benefit of God's kingdom, which is always people. Mm-hmm. God's kingdom is not some financial thing. God's kingdom is not buildings. God's kingdom is people. And we are proving through our sacrifice who God is and how, and how he works through us so that we can influence people, that we can prove to people what is the Christian life and hopefully influence them into the Christian life. Right, and it, it, it dovetails into, I think, that first verse of Romans 12, dovetails into that ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your, in, in, in your service, which are God's. Wait, I misquoted that. But. Well, that's not that passage. There's another passage. You're talking no, about First Corinthians. I'm talking about First but Corinthians. But a, it's goes, a sister passage. Correct, for yes, sure. Sister passage. Because we can use our sacrifice, and we should be dedicating our members, our, our body, to literally sacrifice so that we can meet the needs of people. So influence can be done outside of sacrifice if you just love only. I mean, really, I guess the question is, can you love without sacrifice? And the answer is probably no, not, not well, not deep love. But, but can influence be there with just compassion? I said last week it can, but I said also that the greatest is, is a both, love and compassion. Well, love includes sacrifice, and therefore here we are segueing into this right. next step that we have to not just say sacrifice that comes with love, but we have to really be willing to sacrifice. What did, what did Christ ask of his followers, Ethan? Mm-hmm. He said, if you want to follow me, if you want to fish for a minute, if you want to impact the world, what do you got to do? Give up your homes. Give up your homes, give up your comfort, take up your cross, follow me. <clears throat> Even the fox has a den, I do not. Uh, there was a lot of sacrifices required. He, he, he essentially said, you got to love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, which means nothing needs to be more important to you than me. And if I ask you to sacrifice it, uh, dealing with the person on the plow, don't look back. Only go forward. And looking back is, is looking back to all the things God is asking us to walk away from. Now, does that mean that God asks us to sacrifice everyone and everything in our life? No. Here we are, three men, all married, with kids. We all have a house. We all have cars. Uh, we have a lot of things in our life. But has God asked all of us to sacrifice some things? And maybe, for those of us at this table more things than we would have sacrificed if we had not gone into the ministry. John, I'll start with you. Has there been sacrifices in your life so that you could influence people through the ministry? Right, yes. Um, and, and even though we do have possessions, I think one of the facets of a sacrifice is those possessions don't have us, right? We would gladly give up those things for a lot of things, actually, um, for the sake of the ministry, for the sake of people, for the sake of God's calling in our life, we have and, and we, we have done these things. We will do these things because these possessions don't have us. At the same time, we do sacrifice. Um, we sacrifice more than we ever thought we could, and sometimes we do it very willingly, and sometimes we do it very grudgingly, which is not a good thing, but we still do it. Because we know that God's kingdom is the only thing that truly matters that we're a part of. We're just not, our, our, our pursuits and our dreams and our, 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 you can say, visions for our life are all dovetailed by, well, what's going to be good for God's kingdom? And that, I believe, is what the kingdom mindset is for not just people that are in the leadership of ministry, but that's God's mindset for everybody. And that's why Romans 12, 1 is for everybody. And that is that sacrifice. It's that mindset of, you know, I am not 
here just for myself. I'm here for God's kingdom. Remember, God's kingdom is people, and our calling is people. The gospel is for people, and our influence is to people. So when we sacrifice, Ethan, I'm going to come to you in a second, but I want to clarify this for the guys in this room, for those listening online. Sacrifice isn't enough. There has to be sacrifice with purpose. Why are you sacrificing? Just to, to take all your stuff there in the backyard and burn it and say this is for the glory of God's kingdom is foolishness. <laughs> right. But if there was a need to sacrifice something so that you could influence someone, well, then I think all three of us at this table are willing and have proven our willingness to sacrifice those things with purpose. So, Ethan, the same question to you. You have not been in the ministry as long as us, but I would say even in the limited amount of time. God has asked you to sacrifice some things, some relationships, some opportunities, definitely some possessions. What are your thoughts on that? Because I started, I think like all of us, do, like we, do, we all started ministry. Like, is there first like thing or did you do something else before you went to ministry? I was in the ministry uh, interning part, part. I was unpaid. I was unpaid in the ministry. Okay, but you I didn't... didn't go full-time in the ministry. It was four years where I was unpaid before I went full-time. And that was after college? Or... Two years during college, two years after college. Okay, okay. And John, similar or? Uh, John was all over the place. I was all over the place. <laughs> he did all okay. kinds of things. Okay, yeah. So for me, I honestly, I can, I can, I can say like I can talk about sacrifice, but to be honest with you, I don't really know any other way than the way I'm living now. But what I can say is this too about that. Um, we actually were just at a teachers' conference, and they talked about the idea of sacrifice, and. We always should be counting the cost. And yes, when you count the cost, you say, oh, yeah, that's a sacrifice there. And that's a sacrifice there. But I think I'm, I'm, I'm seeing and learning that like, a lot of it is just a lifestyle. And you don't think about it as sacrifice until maybe you look back and saying, maybe looking like, oh, I guess I missed out and could have had that or something different. But like, I, right now, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual. I'm just being like really practical. I'm sure there's things that if I were to say step back and say, I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on stuff I know I am, but like, I don't see it as sacrifice. So that makes sense. Not yet. Not yet anyways. Well, I'm, that means the sacrifices God has asked of you have been light, and that for that I am grateful. Yes. But I think the truth is, Ethan, in, after seven years in the ministry, you could have you could be somewhere else and probably further along financially if you had chosen to something else. So sure. that alone, sure. opportunities you could have had, you have sacrificed to be in the ministry. Okay, yeah, I can agree to that. Um, and, and again, that's why it's, for me it's like, I'm like oh, I mean, sure I have, but that's... That's like playing the what if game, and I don't really. I, I understand know. that, but, but look, I, see, I see your coming sacrifices from. aren't just things you have and you give up. Sacrifices are things you could have had right. and you never took. Sure, yeah. these are both sacrifices. Correct, and, and both of them done again with purpose to influence people towards God. Right, right, and to influence other people to sacrifice. Let's uh, look in Acts chapter four and look at Barnabas and how he sold the land for the benefit of really suffering people within the congregation of the Church of Jerusalem, and he out of love for these people, sacrificed by selling his land and giving all the money to the apostles. And now, obviously, we look at that and think, well, the people that were influenced were Ananias and Sapphira, right? And so it didn't right, quite turn out like we probably thought it should. But we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us about all the other people that were influenced to actually do exactly like the sacrifice of Barnabas to help those people that were in extreme, extreme need. We don't know. 
We only know about Ananias and Sapphira, but the Bible says after that ordeal with Ananias and Sapphira, there was a purging and a purity that came into the church. They were fearful because of what happened, which I think would have, in a way, increased the sacrificial attitude um, for the right reasons in the church of Jerusalem. Um, I was just thinking about what you said after I, after my response. I think that the moments we're faced, we're faced with a a faith choice, maybe the bigger ones, there's definitely sacrifice involved in the decision. At that moment, is sacrifice, sure. But then after that, I, can, I, I would say that sacrifice turns into, I guess what we're talking about tonight, it turns into purpose. And the purpose brings joy. And Correct. I think the trade-off, right. Right. for someone who gains the joy, the trade-off is well worth it, which is why yeah. Christians keep doing it. Yes. Right, and this is yeah. where, you know, we, we start off with Barnabas in Acts chapter 4, but obviously <coughs> Barnabas is just starting. God's going to use Barnabas in an amazing yes, way throughout the start of the of the New Testament church. And what is, I mean, we have this great example of that sacrifice that really, really thrust him into God's work in a major way. You know, we, we as our, three of us looking at it from the side of a pastor, we've got a room full of people and and online, that their sacrifices are above and beyond their hourly work week. I mean, here we right. are. You know, a lot of our sacrifices are kind of implemented into our work week. Not to say that John, Ethan, or I only work 40 hours and we're done. We work more than that. But it's kind of part of our job description. Right. Whereas men who are not in the ministry, the sacrifices they make to serve God's church, to serve God's kingdom at a, at a picnic, at a festival, at an outreach, you know, they're, they're investing hours into the work. Then on top of that, right. they are sacrificing time, which for a lot of guys is more valuable than money even. You know, if you have a good job and you're making money to feed your family, right. your time is more valuable than, than another $30, even an hour that you might get by doing something. And, and it would actually be insulting for the church to say, let me pay you $30 an hour right. to do this work on the weekends. The, yeah. the guy's like, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm right. sacrificing willingly something more valuable than that $30, and that's my time. That is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. And it also is, you know, part of... So, so we are constantly in the ministry almost every day, every minute. And so we are almost, in a way, in the mindset of doing what we need to for the kingdom of God. They are not. Although they might be in that mindset at a secular workplace, they have limitations on them. And I think for guys, because I was one of these guys at one point, you know, where I was just working, just sacrificing, doing things that I could. Hey, the reality is, it's like, wow. Let me come to church and do something that I have no restrictions on and I can just go full tilt and minister to people because that right there is the service that they're looking for. And no, they're not looking to get paid for it because they just want it to be as pure service as possible. And look, if you pay someone for their sacrifice, it's no longer a sacrifice. Right. You're essentially taking from them the opportunity the, the, the to blessing. sacrifice. Right. So the purpose for sacrifice, at least as we're discussing tonight, is to influence people. Now, if you're in a church where you are influencing them, but in the end the church isn't bringing them to God, then is the sacrifice worth it? No. And that's no. why it's so important that it's not just that you sacrifice, but that you evaluate, is the sacrifice coming to fruition where people are influenced towards God's kingdom in a healthy way where salvation is received and discipleship is offered, and then in turn they're returning the sacrifice, sacrificing for others because of the journey they took. Right. Well, there's a great picture of a you know denominational religion almost coercing the people to sacrifice so that they can enrich themselves, so that they can you know further well, you their say own cause. And I think you're implying a major mainstream religion, but look, there's there's all kinds of denominations and religions outside of the mainstream, even sure. Baptists. 
and churches for sure. that do the same thing. For sure. Um, but, I mean, there is this idea that sacrifice can almost give you a better name or a better position. That's true. I mean, <laughs> there's right. that. Yep. And because of that, we sometimes cheapen the sacrifice un- unknowingly for the people that are trying to sacrifice. Look at Moses in the Old Testament when he asked the people to sacrifice for the building of the temple. Can you imagine trying to sacrifice towards the end and realizing they don't need any more, and so they're turning away your sacrifice? Mm. Like, sorry, the offering plates are closed. (laughs) Have you ever heard that at a church? (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine that? But that's what happened because they had enough, and they they were needing to move on and actually start the work. And so I think there's an example of how we're supposed to be as opposed to, well, we got the money we need, but let's keep on bringing it in because who knows, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, so. Okay. Um, Go ahead, Ethan. One last thing about, sorry, because then we're going to move on to the next one. We're going to move on to the next one. Yeah, I do need to finish this series. I know, I know. (laughs) The last thought is this. um, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. Right, sacrifice is attached to love. So, so. That literally is saying, if we interpret it literally, the greatest expression, the deepest expression, <laughs> the greatest expression of love is sacrifice specifically of your life. So, obviously, we're not, we don't believe in a religion that calls us to, like, you know, blow ourselves up for Allah, okay? So that's not our religion, um, but we are called to sacrifice. If we truly want to love, if we truly say we love people, we want to influence people with love, have a testimony of love, then we have to be sacrificing something. Okay, let's move on to that last one now, truth. The influential testimony is one of truth. We've kind of already laid the foundation over the last weeks on this, especially the first one, a biblical testimony, right? Right. So we've had this conversation, but let's end on this thought that if you truly want to influence people towards Christ, you cannot, you must not eliminate truth from that influence, from that testimony. Right. The Bible tells us in uh, John eight thirty two, you should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Right. Uh, these other things, love and sacrifice, if they are not done with purpose, as we just said a few moments ago, mm-hmm. if they're not done with purpose for the purpose of giving them truth and influencing them toward Christ, then what are we doing? We're just burning our stuff. And why would you, why would you build so much just to burn it and not see the outcome, not see, right. the, not see the payoff? But the payoff isn't for us. You see, sacrifice is for the payoff of the one you're sacrificing for. That's mm-hmm. true love. You don't love someone to get something from them. You love someone to give something to them, and that's why you sacrifice for them. But if they don't get it, if they don't receive it, right. then what are we doing? Right. Which is why influence is so necessary, because influence is essentially the act of making sure they receive what you're trying to give them. But then what is it we're handing them? Truth. We want to influence them with truth, because truth is what will free them from a life of self-destruction, a life of misery, a life of, a life of dark, mental, mental emotional, right. spiritual darkness. Right. And, yeah, without truth, you're, you're just not going to have the love that you need, period. You're just not going to give the love that you need, period. And I don't think that people that don't have, like, biblical truth can't love. I just believe that they can't love us freely and as fully as they could if they actually had the truth. All right, let's talk about this practically, though. There's a lot of churches that are looking to influence the community, and they work really hard, and they invest a lot of money into it. And people go to those churches, but at the, at the church service, in the worship service, uh, in the discipleship programs, they're not really going deep. In fact, I just read recently, just today, I read 
about a, a massive church. This church is in the thousands. And a person invited an atheist friend to the church, to, and they said, I will pay you money. I think it got, paid the guy like hundreds of dollars. This is, this is in California, massive church in California. And they said, we'll pay you hundreds of dollars to come and evaluate the church so we can see what do the unchurched and the unsafe think of our services. Because almost always we right. view church services through the lens of believers. So right, this right, guy right. was brutal, man. He gave his thoughts on what the church was. And um, the speaker was dynamic, gave funny stories, and, and um, was intriguing in the illustrations. And uh, the person turned to his, I don't know if it was a friend, I think it was just someone he, they, they basically hired out. And he said, so what do you think? What did you think about the service and the music and, and the preaching? And he said, well, the music was, was uh, over performance. He says, I'm actually a musician. And he says, it was, it was obvious performance, obvious entertainment. He says, if that's what you want, fine. But um, I would, he said, I'm an atheist. I'd expect in a worship service it would be more raw. Hmm. It'd be more real. That's what he was saying. This musician was saying that. He says it just seemed like too contrived. Right. He seemed like everyone was just going through the motions. And uh, the guy who hired him to give his thoughts thought that was interesting. Did not expect that. Right. He says, so what do you think about the preaching, though? It was fun. It was funny. The guy tells some good stories. And he said, sure, the guy is a good speaker. But he said, where's the depth? Here you claim to have all this truth. And I'm listening. And I didn't walk away with anything that caused me to, to need change, desire change, or want change. Right. He said, I didn't walk away with anything that forced me to reflect. He said it was just a fun service with funny stories and a guy that was easy to listen to. But he says, as an atheist, you just kind of proved my point more. It's just a bunch of fake people having fake fun. Brutal. Right. Brutal. I don't think this guy was, was thinking, this is a ma- massive church who does things really well. And only hires the best of everyone to do what they do. And that was this particular atheist view. Now, the guy obviously must, I'm sure, is biased and, um, and had fun doing, getting paid to critique a trick. I, I have no say, doubt. I'd do that. <laughs> but <laughs> but the point is, he made a very great um, statement that fun stories, easy to listen to, but I didn't walk away with any truth that challenged me personally. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm talking about. If we're doing what we do and we're making it fun and easy to listen to, I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm not saying the pastor shouldn't be funny. I'm not saying people shouldn't like to listen to him. Please don't misunderstand me. But if that's all we're doing and we're sacrificing so much just to tell funny stories or to be easy to listen to or to have a performance that's enjoyable, if that's all we're doing, then what are we doing? There has to be truth to bring them home, you might say, right? Mm -hmm. To home, round those bases, bring them home. It's truth that sets them free. We are all, by default, hypocrites. That's an interesting quote. But I just read that recently, and I thought, wow, that's true. In our depraved state, we are, we are pure hypocrites. We want to be something that we're not. And because of that, when we have truth associated with the love, with the influence that we bring, it really starts to influence people in a real way. Because especially if you're a, a leader that is truly, sincerely wanting without any pretense to bring them the truth. And that is where, and I wanted to bring this out because this is where the Pharisees missed it. They had truth, but they didn't have sincerity in their own lives. And so the people kind of fell into that lot. And that's why in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, 
uh, Jesus condemns them and says, Well, hath as Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And that is exactly what happens in these churches. They have great worship moments when it comes to performance, and they have a very dynamic motivational speaker, but because there's a lack of truth, everybody comes in a hypocrite and leaves a hypocrite. And there's no change, and there's no influence. But did everybody have a good time? Yes. But is church about having a good time, or is it about worshiping God and letting God work through you and change you? There's the different mindset. Ethan, what are your thoughts? Uh, your generation, by the way, this book uh, was written only like five years ago, and, and this scenario was like 2015 or 16, so uh, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. but still pretty recent. We're not talking the 90s. We're not even talking the early 2000s, like 2005, six. So this is a fairly recent thing that was done. Uh, I feel like your generation especially is looking, we've said this many times, your generation below is looking for something deeper than just the fluff of a fun service that's easy to watch and easy to listen to. I think they say they want that and they don't like hearing the truth. As far as like Gen Z, yeah. They say they want deeper and they do. They just don't like how it feels when they actually hear what needs to happen when they hear the truth. I have been preaching at Bible camps since 2008. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, the teenagers that I'm preaching to in the summer are, it's, it's very obvious to me, are hungrier and more attentive to the preaching now in 2023, this last summer, uh, than they were 2008. I'm not denying what you say. Saying you want truth and then really wanting it are not the same thing. But I am seeing an increase in young people. They, look, when I was a youth pastor, Ethan, if you didn't have a gimmick, man, what are you doing? If you're a youth pastor, there's got to be a funny story. There's got to be a skit. There's got to be a joke. Right. To gain, when I was a youth pastor in 2003, 4, 5, up to 2012, I had to constantly incorporate wacky ideas to get their attention, to break the ice, to bring them into the truth that I wanted to give them. Dude, I don't do that anymore. When I go to the case, man, I am up there. I, I will do stuff to connect with them, and it's purely for connection. It's not to intrigue them in the message. When I go up, man, I'm just, I'm speaking, I am preaching for like 40, 45 minutes. I could not have done that 15 years ago. I had to have kept the preaching like 20 minutes with gimmicks. So I am seeing an increase in desire for something real. Now, what they do with that, okay, I, I admit right. it. What they're going to mm-hmm. do with it is going to vary from person to person, but they do want something real, at least to know something real is out there, whether or not they're going to respond to it. I agree with that. I agree with that substance. I, I wonder if the difference between 2008 and now is how, how different the world has changed against God. I mean, the world's always been against God, but now it's brazenly against God. And the young people see this, and they start to realize they're in a fight, that this is no joke anymore, that they go to a school and they can't do anything about it, but there's people in their class and people around them that are identifying as something that they know is not biblical. And they can't do anything about it. I'd agree with you. I'm going to add to that. Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to take yours and raise it right. to social media. Of course. Is, is by nature fake. And when social media is starting in the lives right. of, of young men and women in elementary, and they mm-hmm. grow up with social media, surrounded by fakeness, knowing it's, it's fake, but almost it's like the light, uh, the, the bug heading to the light, the, the light that zaps them, and they know right. they're going to die, but they can't turn away from it. They keep going to it. 
and and kids are just drawn to social media. The likes, the loves, the right. the views. It just sucks them in. They know it's fake. They know it's not really good for them. They know what it's doing to them emotionally, but they keep going to it. Right. So I, I agree with you, John, and I'm going to add a social media to that problem, and, and we're getting the perfect storm of, right. of kids saying, is there anything real? And then they have family members that are all over the place with how they act, and they're thinking, I need to make a choice because I'm having an example that I can't get away from that I just need help to deal with. Mm. And so there's that too. So there's, I think our, our young people are being hit on all sides from the chaos that's in our culture and in everything else. And because mm-hmm. of that, it's driving them to pay attention when somebody opens the Word of God and says, hey, let me share with you something that I hope will help you. When, when it comes to, the, to God's truth, I don't think there's... As time goes on, the, those battle lines in the sand right. are just being drawn even deeper yes, and more are. clear. And so I think that's what we're facing now, Russ, is that the kids who will have... You know, I guess the picture... You know, that, that, that story from the Alamo, right? If you want to stay here and fight, cross this mm-hmm. line. Like, I think that line is more clear than it's been before. Right. So whoever is still on one side clearly has it as an option, but they're still not sure if they want to dive all the way in. Mm-hmm. They're not ready if they want to actually pick up a rifle and stand on the wall. They know that it's worth fighting for. Yeah. They know it's true. That's what I'm saying. Like, they know, okay, like, the line's clearer. So, you know, as you, our culture is very divided. Like, we are more and more, like, separated by beliefs than we ever have been before. Um, you know, and... and and I think because of that, 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 that might, to me, as I've like, for the past few years, like that's kind of the phenomenon is that, okay, they really either, they either really don't want God or they know he's good for them, but they still don't, they have, they're not ready to cross their side yet because, mm-hmm. okay, that, God is good for me. I get that. But I don't know that I'm ready to, you know, pick up my cross yet. Sacrifice. And that, that's what you were saying earlier. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Sacrifice. John, right. Part of the conversation. Yeah. John was saying that really our influence is to influence people to influence people. Right, right. right. People, our sacrifice is to influence someone to sacrifice. Right. To, to basically multiply Christ, and not multiply ourselves, to multiply Christ in other people. Right. That's mm-hmm. our goal for influence. Yes. And we cannot influence them to multiply Christ if they are not being influenced with truth. Right, and so truth might draw the battle lines deeply, but sacrifice is going to probably take them across that battle line to the right side because they know they're going to sacrifice... Something. Their reputation sometimes, (laughs) their friends. They're going to sacrifice probably a lot more than we can even imagine because we're not in their shoes. But at the same time, that truth is worth it, right? That battle line is worth it, and that's why they're willing to sacrifice. So if you give people hollow reasons to sacrifice, you're probably not going to get too many people that are willing to that do that. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Because good. we give, because the Bible gives us the truth, the eternal truth of God's word, principles that are timeless, principles that lead to eternal gladness and joy, that is why it's worth drawing the battle lines of truth and standing for the truth. Mm. It makes it, I, and it I, a practical thing is if, you know, if you're a parent um, or someone who has, you know, kids that look up to you, it makes them, it's been important as it's ever been to be somebody who actually studies the truth so that you can regularly bring application to everyday life. Because that's really like, if, if, if the only thing this book here is good for is getting you to heaven, then like, it doesn't change the rest of your life, how you live the day to day, then I mean, I can be, I can, okay, then I'll live for God and I can cross the battle line. I can cross over the line because I'm still going to heaven. But we want them, like you said, to, to be the influencers, influencers who take up the cross, 
follow Christ. And so to do that, we have to show them, you know, there's, you know, I have here first Corinthians chapter six, where it talks about this, a list of things that says, hey, here's how you prove or prove yourself as a minister of God, a servant of God. And one of the things is in there is by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness. Mm-hmm. So if you want, you know, and, and it's kind of is saying, yeah, parents, authority figures, adults, like you need to actually really try to be saying, hey, God's word tells us this. And it's, it sounds like a stretch. It sounds really cheesy and over-spiritual, but it's true. Because outside of that, most of these kids hear from the, about the Bible as, well, God saved you from your sin. Okay, what else? Well, God, wants, God has practical truth that can impact your everyday life. And the only way that we can bring that to the, to the younger generations is by actually studying it, actually reading it. Right. As Ethan uh, heads out to, to turn uh, everything off, I want to give one final thought, and that is this. Sacrifice is hard. Mm-hmm. But sacrifice is harder than it needs to be when you do it alone. Mm-hmm. If we want to influence people to sacrifice, right. we don't send them off to sacrifice. We join them in the sacrifice. Right. Which is why the church, the fellowship, the gathering together of believers is so very Important among many other reasons. This is one big one. Mm-hmm. God has asked us to sacrifice, and God knows to sacrifice alone is a hard thing to ask, mm-hmm. and most will not be able to attain that. But when we sacrifice together, when we sacrifice surrounded by others sacrificing, the percentage of people willing to sacrifice increases dramatically. Right. And we have the greatest reason to sacrifice. So I, I think we as Christians have always had people that will sacrifice with us when they see the truth of what is happening. Yes. Um, you've all seen just that one person taking that first step. And then after that one person takes that first step, many people follow. Influence based on truth. And I think that's worth it. And, and by the way, that's, I think, what God knew would happen. And so that's why he calls us to stay, you know, firm with the truth. Because although it might be totally disdained in a culture you might be in, the truth still has people that follow. And it's amazing what God does um, when one person just says, I'm going to stay by the truth. And somebody says, wow, that's different. He has principle. He has a reason to exist. I want to follow that. And there we go. All right, well, thank you for joining us on our talks regarding testimony, and uh, we will not be together next Sunday, John. Next Sunday is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. We've got a church meal that's going to happen in the afternoon, so mm-hmm. no men's group next Sunday, and uh, we'll probably, I don't think we're going to be getting together the Sunday after Thanksgiving either. A lot of folks are traveling that weekend, so it's going to be a couple of weeks before we see you guys again, and hopefully you enjoy the next couple of weeks off with your family over the Thanksgiving holiday. Have a good night. <laughs>